Amen. I'm so happy. Glory be to God. Amen. Good to see familiar faces. Amen. <laughs> Good to see you and also welcome all the visitors. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. This is the time that the Lord has separated for himself a glorious, wonderful, exciting time that God has called us to be part of. Amen. Hallelujah. It's so good to live the life of the Lord. Hallelujah. It's so wonderful. He is so wonderful and so beautiful. Now, I want to continue with what I've started last Sunday. If you haven't listened to that, please make sure you go back and listen to it. How to receive comfort from God in times of sorrows and hurts. So this is very, very important. All right. So please listen to part one. And this is part two. Now, before we go into that, uh, if we can go to Luke chapter 4, verse 17. I know that is not in my notes, but uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 17. I think that's the right reference. Uh, remember, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, right? To heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. I think it's 18. All right. So I want you to see that Jesus, his ministry was practical, practical and result-oriented. I want you to look at the result. The gospel to the poor. What's the gospel to the poor? That they are poor no more. To heal the brokenhearted. What's the, what's the answer to the brokenhearted? That their hearts be healed and be broken no more. And continue to bridge deliverance to the captives. What's the answer to the captives? Freedom. That they are no longer in captivity. What's the answer to the blind? Sight. Right? What's the answer to those that have been bruised? Freedom, liberty, be able to walk again, mobile. Amen. And what's the answer to the lost, to the rejected? The acceptable year of the Lord. So it's very, very wrong for any Christian to focus on negativity. When the gospel, right before our eyes, is so very positive. Amen. It's very wrong for the church not to believe God for answers. Because right, right before our eyes, when Jesus started his ministry, what did he do? He gave us answers. Can we say amen? Amen. So to begin with, I want to just highlight a few things that Christianity is not. Because I think a lot of Christians have gone astray. And they have missed the key. You might have been a Christian for 20 years and 30 years, but if you have lost your way, Jesus said, he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. That means if you get in the right way, which is Jesus, you will get the truth. And if you get the truth, you will get the abundant life. <laughs> Amen? Because he's the way and the truth and the life. <laughs> Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. So I want to highlight, to begin with, a few things that Christianity is not. Number one, Christianity is spiritual and not emotional. Christianity is spiritual and not emotional. God is not in the feeling realm. Your feeling is in your soul, not in your spirit. God is in the truth realm. God is in the truth realm. When you're sad, he can sit with you, he can comfort you, but he cannot release power on your behalf. He cannot give you the answers which you need. Why? Because you're not in the truth realm, you're in the feeling realm. Very important. When you're in the fact realm, or the facts in this life, the natural laws of this life, 
the human relationships in this life, then you are now in the truth realm. You're overwhelmed by all the facts. You're consumed by all the facts. You're in the natural. You're moving in the natural, but not in the spiritual. And that's why you don't get answers. That's why you don't get power. That's why you're always stuck and recycling your problems. Spiritual uh, Christianity is spiritual and not emotional. Don't try to look for God in the feeling realm. And most of the times, our feeling is wrong. Very human and not spiritual. Christianity is not hiding from, not hiding from, not suffering for, and not trying to please God. We on our own can never please God. We are not good enough to please Him. God is already pleased by Jesus. God is already pleased by Jesus. And we are in Christ. And when you are in Christ, you are already pleasing Him. How to be in Christ is not looking for Jesus in the feeling realm. To be in Christ is to be in the word, to be in the truth. You have the truth talking to you, ministering to you, leading you, guiding you, empowering you. Christianity is not going around with sin consciousness, full of shame and full of guilt. Christianity is not living and feeling all the time that you are not good enough for God. If you are not good enough for him, then how can he move through you? If you are not good enough for him, how can he do how can he do signs and wonders and miracles through you? Your salvation is not based on yourself. It's not based on your intrinsic value as a human being. Your salvation is based on your faith, your faith, your faith in the saving work of the Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit on earth within you and around you. Your faith is in justification, justification, justification by faith not by good works. And the word of God says that his faith, his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. In fact, more than enough for us. And his strength is made perfect in our weakness. Amen. Christianity is not doing your best to meet a standard. It's not always failing or hit and miss most of the time. Christianity is not task-oriented. Even when you have prayed a prayer, you don't live for the task. Prayer comes from the grace. Prayer comes from the mercy. Prayers come from your faith in the truth. Your faith in the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life. The answers to prayer come from the dominion of God over this entire universe, over humanity. Can we say amen? So when you attend a service, when you listen to a sermon, you are not receiving chastisements and beatings from God. When you're listening to a sermon, you're not being ridiculed, you're not being mocked, you're not being condemned, you're not being beaten. You are being empowered. You're being empowered. Come on, say a big amen. You're being empowered. You're being washed. You're being cleansed. Amen. You're being enlightened. Glory be to God. You're being equipped. Amen. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask you to look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Christianity is about God saving sinners 
changing them to become sinks and giving them the power to win against the devil in your life. Can we say amen? How many of you remember Peter? What happened to him? He's the one who betrayed Jesus. He's the one who walked out of the boat and walking on water. The water became frozen under his feet because he was walking on the word of Jesus. Jesus said, come. And based on that word, come, he stepped out of the boat and walked on water. He did not rationalize. He did not reason. And that's why he could walk. But as soon as his sense knowledge started talking to him, as soon as he felt the wind, his mind started to function and he He would have been drowned if Jesus had not lifted him up. That's the same Peter. The same Peter. He said, be sober. Be vigilant. That means be clear-minded. Be sharp. Be alert. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be carried away by your senses. Don't be carried away by what's going on in your life. By how you feel. By what you think. Why? Because your adversary. You do have an enemy. Every one of us has an enemy. He's the enemy of your soul. He wants to destroy you both on earth and also in eternity. You would be a fool not to acknowledge that enemy. You know what's so bad with atheism? With atheism, they don't believe in the realm of the spirit. They don't believe in God and they don't believe in spirits. And as a result, they are forever captivated in the realm of the natural with no freedom, with no power. Because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. He's roaring, all right, but he's toothless. (laughs) He's a teethless lion. Glory be to God. Amen. As a roaring lion walked about seeking whom, this is the revelation, whom he may devour. That means he can't devour everyone, but he's seeking whom he may devour. Come on, say with me, he can't devour me. Why? Because you're covered by the blood of Jesus. And as soon as he tries to devour you, he has to spit you out. Because <laughs> you're too powerful for him. Can we say amen? Amen. Glory be to God. So I want to give you a few keys on what to do when you're in the midst of an attack. Do you want them? What to do when you're in the midst of an attack? How many of us have been attacked before? Come on, lift up your hands if you have been. How many of you know what an attack is? That's when the enemy is aiming at you and he's firing darts at you. He's got a dart. He's got a bow and he's got his arrows and he knows and he time. He's very strategic and he knows when to shoot. And he knows when to keep shooting. And that's why you must know your enemy. Remember, the success of the Apostle Paul, what's the reason for his success? What's the reason for his success? He said, I'm not ignorant of the devil's scheme. I'm not ignorant of the devil's schemes. You know, in Chinese, there's this saying that goes, When you know your enemy and you know your own strength, every time you fight, you win. When you know yourself, who you are in Christ, when you know what God has delegated to you through Jesus Christ, when you know your positional authority, and you know the devil, actually who he is, what he has, then every time you fight, you win. Amen. The word of God says that my people are destroyed. So God tells us that there is a destroyer. And God said that my people are destroyed, not for a lack of love towards me, because all Christians love God. 
a lot of times emotionally. But for a lack of knowledge, knowledge is very, very powerful. Even in the world, knowledge is very, very powerful. Knowledge will promote you. Knowledge will make you rich. Knowledge will make you strong. How much more in the realm of the spirit? There are too many Christians going after feelings and ignoring the word. You must get into the word. Study it like never before. And that's how you win every battle. That's how you discover the devil is camouflaging. And you can destroy him. Can we say amen? So what do we do when we're in the midst of an attack? Number one, lift up your soul to God. When you're under attack, your soul is under attack. Your spirit is fine. Your spirit is much stronger than any attack. When you're under attack, your soul is under attack. So by prayer, lift up your soul to God. Lift up your soul to God. How many of you have read Psalm 25? Psalm 25 verse 1. Unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. It's very, very important that you participate in worship. It's very, very important that you participate in praise. Because that's the time when you lift up your soul unto God. Your spirit doesn't need to sing. Your spirit can pray in tongues. Your spirit can sing in tongues. But your soul needs to sing. Because when you sing, the Holy Spirit stirs up in you holy emotions. And your whole being becomes lifted up. Your whole being goes into a higher realm. Into a higher realm. Psalm 25. Unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. When you're under attack, don't say that, oh, it's fine, it's fine. Don't try to sleep it away. Don't try to argue with people, you know. Don't try to blame yourself. What do you need to do? You need to cast out devils. David had that revelation. That's why he said, unto you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. I need you. I need your sanctification. I need your empowerment. I need you in this fight against the devil. Amen. I know that you are my Lord. I know that you are the one that received glory from my life. So let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Don't think that God is the one chastising you, beating you up, damning you. No. He's the one who gets all the glory from your success. He's the one gets getting all the glory from your healing. He's the one getting all the glory from your prosperity. He's the one getting all the glory from your family, from your marriage, from your household. Can we say amen? Amen. Say with me, God is for me, not against me. How many of you know that God wants you healed much more than you want to be healed? Uh Uh-oh. Have you got this? God wants you healed more than you want to be healed. That's why he sent Jesus, who took massive sufferings, So that by his stripes, you are healed. How many of you would go through the cross to be healed? No. You want painkiller, Panadol, (laughs) anesthetics. But Jesus went through all the pain. Went through all the pain. Went through all the shame. All the mockery in order that you can be healthy and stay healthy and stay strong. Glory be to God and stay confident. He is the lifter up of your head, not the damner of your soul. Can we say amen? So don't represent you. Don't represent God wrong. Stop damning people in your head. Stop judging people in your attitude and in your words. The world is already bad enough 
without you adding more critical, judgmental, negative comments and attitudes. Can we say amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, say with me, I live to bless, not to curse. I live to bless, not to judge. Amen. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. So number one, prayer. Can I ask you to look at Luke chapter 22? Luke chapter 22, verse 43 to 46. And there appeared an angel unto Jesus from heaven. Why? Because he was praying. He was in prayer in the most difficult time of his life. He was in prayer when he was under attack. He was in prayer when everything was falling apart around him. An angel unto him from heaven strengthening him. Why? Because he was in agony. And if you would read the Amplified Bible, he was depressed. He was attacked. He was harassed. He was tormented. That's what Jesus was going through. Jesus went through all of that for you and for me. Amen. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. So that's my and your answer when you're, un- when you're under attack. He prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So please highlight prayed more. Amen. So praying and worshiping is lifting up our soul to God for him to strengthen us, to protect us, to guard us against the tempter, against the enemy of our soul. And if you can look at uh, Psalm 143 verse 8, when you pray, please understand that prayer is not a one-way traffic. If you've always been praying, it's just you talking to God without hearing from God, I can recommend you to stop and start listening to God talking to you. Because prayer is two-way. And David knew that very well, a man after God's own heart. He said, cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning. For in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way wherein I should walk. How? For I lift up my soul unto thee. Amen. Amen. Can I ask you to lift up your hands and say, Lord, I lift up my soul to you. You know that a lot of times we lift up our soul to movies, to YouTubes, to everybody's conversation, to all the things in this life, and you become more and more soulish. Because you're living by your five physical senses. You're living by the natural and not living by the supernatural. We need to lift up our soul. We need to make time and lift up our soul unto God. That's number one. Number two, know that you are under attack. Now, this may seem very uh, evident, but I notice that when we're under attack, a lot of times, you don't realize that you're under attack. A lot of times you think that somebody is wronging you. Somebody is hurting you. Somebody is attacking you. Somebody is bullying you. Or somebody is, you know, wronging you. Remember, you don't have people as your enemies. People are not your enemies. Come on, say with me, people are not my enemies. You have only one enemy. What's his name? Satan. One. One enemy. Not anybody around you. You know, you can have a powerful machine gun. But if you keep misfiring, (laughs) then you miss the target. And you could have fired everybody dead. (laughs) But your enemy is still around because he's the devil. And you haven't shot at him. Okay, so it's very, very important for us to know that we are under attack. When you're feeling harassed, when you're feeling tormented, when you're feeling bullied, when you're feeling hurt, when you're feeling misunderstood, okay? We've read that in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Now I'm getting this picture as I'm preaching right now. 
You know, how many of you know that you have, you're carrying a gun? You're carrying a very powerful machine gun. You know, even in the natural, you do have a machine gun because words hurt. Attitudes hurt. All right? So you're carrying this machine gun with your attitudes and with your words. And then the devil comes behind you and gets what? He will wrap himself around you and he will put his hand on your hand. Because remember, your hand is already holding the gun and your finger is on the trigger. And he's the one moving that machine gun around. And he's telling you to shoot this, shoot that, shoot this, shoot that. Shoot that, shoot that, shoot that. So he's the one manipulating you to hurt people. And he's the one manipulating you even to point the gun at yourself and hurting yourself. That's why it's so important to know the truth. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means... We don't fight people. Come on, say to yourself, I don't fight people. I fight the devil. And I win every time. Amen, amen. So, number two, know that you are under attack when you are at a bad place, all right? Let me ask you, can I ask you to do an exercise with me? All right. Can I ask you to look at the people around you right now and at the same time, look up? Can I ask you to look at the people around you and look up at the same time? Can you do that? Can you do that? No, you can't. When you're looking around, you meet God. When you're looking around, you miss the highest. You miss the most powerful. And guess what? When you're looking around, because the devil is still a spirit, he's above you. So don't look around. Look up. Can we say amen? Key number three. I've told you what Christianity is not. I'm going to tell you a very, very important point when it comes to Christianity. Is substitution. You can never be a strong Christian, a powerful Christian without understanding substitution. When you're under attack, when you find yourself hurting, when you find yourself hearing voices in your head, tormenting and harassing voices, when you're feeling condemned and ashamed and guilty, When you're feeling that nobody understands you, when you feel that you are rejected and alone, go to the cross. Go to the cross. Now, when I was a Catholic, I knew the cross. I even wore a cross, you know, on my necklace. But I had no idea what the cross means. I had no idea what the cross means. The cross does not mean that you keep looking at Jesus and feeling sorry for him. How many Christians are like that? When you look at Jesus, oh, I'm so sorry, you know, you were tormented. You were crucified. And I'm so sorry that I'm good. I know that you suffered a lot for me, but I'm not good enough still. How many Christians are like that? Come on, be honest. You look at the cross and you feel sad. You feel sorry for Jesus. And then you look at yourself. Oh, and I'm not good enough. He had done so much for me and I'm still not good enough. And you feel ashamed of yourself and you feel bad about yourself. That's exactly what the devil meant. That's exactly what the devil wanted. He had nullified the cross. And he had reduced you. To a worm. Christianity is about power. Christianity is about power. Without power, you can't defeat the devil. Without power, you can't win in your life. Without power, you keep living a defeated life. 
So what's the answer? What's the cross about? The cross is the place of exchange. The cross is where sinners go to Jesus. I go to the cross. I gave him my bad life. I gave him my weakness. I gave him my sin. I gave him my shame. I gave him my pride. I gave him all my sinfulness. And I received from him his mercy, his grace, his justification, his righteousness, his love, his goodness. Can we say amen? And you know why the apostle Paul is so powerful? Because he's the one who said, it's no longer I who lives, but Jesus who is living in me. Can you imagine what a powerful life you have when Jesus lives in you, in your place? You have no more poverty. All the money will be chasing after you. You have no more sickness. You have health. With a good, long life, he will satisfy you and show you his salvation. So that can't be an old, sick life. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Substitution. Exchange. Exchange. Substitution. That's so, so powerful. Amen. Glory be to God. Understand that Jesus had gone through the attack of extreme sorrows. Extreme sorrows. Extreme sorrows. That he could deliver you and me from sorrows. Can we say amen? Let me give you a very practical example. Like as a mom, you know, when when my kids were little, I would cook breakfast or lunch or dinner for them. All right. So can I ask you to imagine with me? You know, I had cooked like say three, three dishes and rice and a bowl of soup. Okay. For my children. And then uh, they they came home from school, and then they said, "Oh, mom, oh, I'm so sorry that I made you go through all this. You know, you had to do so much. You had to go shopping, grocery shopping, and you had to cook. Oh, and you had to work so much for me. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you had made all that, and I'm not good enough to." partake of your meal. I'm not good enough to eat the dish that you have cooked for me. I'm not good enough to taste the soup that you've made for me. You think I would be very happy? No. What would I do? I'll slap them on the face. Sit down and eat. (laughs) That's what a lot of Christians do. I'm not worthy enough, you know, to be healed. And then they quoted the centurion, speak the word only and your servant. <laughs> Get rid of that religious mindset. Get rid of that religious mindset. Jesus is no longer on the cross. He's in heaven. He's in the best place. All right? Amen. Now I want you to look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 37 and 38, repeated in Mark chapter 14, verse 33. I'm giving you the truth, all right? The truth is the highest form of comfort. I want you to notice that in Matthew 26, verse 37 38, and in Mark chapter 14, verse 33, these words were used, sorrowful and very heavy, exceeding sorrowful, even unto death exceedingly troubled. That's what happened to Jesus before he went to the cross. The devil was harassing him, tormenting him. He was very, very much harassed, tormented in his soul because he had come to save our soul. He had come to save our soul because if your soul is not saved, your spirit can be saved. Your soul and your spirit, they are together. Your soul can affect your spirit and your spirit can affect your soul. Now, I want you to look at John chapter 12, verse 27 in the Amplified Bible. John chapter 12, verse 27 in the Amplified. This is Jesus speaking because we don't know him without him revealing himself to us. We don't know God by seeing God in people. We have to know God in the Bible. Jesus said, now, 
at this moment. My soul, my will, my mind, and my feelings, my soul, is troubled and distressed. So understand the humanity of Jesus at this point. And what shall I say? This is what he was very tempted to say. That's what the devil was tempting him. Father, save me from this hour. How many of you know that when you're going through an attack, when you're going through a hard time, you just want to leave? You just want to get away. You just want to run away. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And if it's really bad, you just want to terminate your life. And this is what Jesus was saying. He said, Father, what shall I say? Save me from this hour of trial and agony. I couldn't say that. I can't say that. I know better. It was for this very purpose that I have come to this hour. That I might, what's the key? Undergo it. Undergo it. Now listen to Kingdom Warriors next week. I'm going to teach you and tell you why we have to go through trials. So Jesus had to go through that hour of temptation. Jesus had to go through it. David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He did not say, I escape from the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus had to go through it. He knew that he was born for such a time as this. His mission His calling, his work, his ministry, they were all based on him going through this time. Why? Because he's the Lamb of God. His ministry is the ministry of substitution. He went through it. He went to hell so that you and I don't have to. He bore sickness and disease so that you and I don't have to. So stop walking around and say they're sick and so am I. Well, you're different. You are a Christian. Don't bind yourself with the natural laws, you know. Don't allow the medical science to condemn you. The doctors say this because I've been doing this for too long. You know, I've been walking, I've been running, and that's why my legs are painful, my knees are hurting. No! No, by his stripes, I am healed. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. Hallelujah. And you hold on to that. Amen. It's called substitution. You must understand that. Now go with me to Isaiah 53 verse 4. Isaiah 53 Verse 4, there are, too many teachers, there are too many churches that don't preach on the power of substitution. And every Sunday, you just hear teachings on, you'll be good, you'll be a good Christian, you please God, you'll be a good Christian, you'll be a good Christian. Without the power of God, you can never be a good Christian. It takes power to be good. How many of us know that? Come on, you sound like you are very good. <laughs> How many of you know that? Yes, it takes power to be good. It takes power even to walk in love. I mean, I want to slap my kids sometimes. (laughs) It takes power to be good. It takes power to to walk in love, right? Surely he had borne what? Our griefs and carried our sorrows. Let me ask you, if you're carrying, let's say, uh, a bag of uh, rice, let's say a five-kilo bag of rice, and then uh, a gentleman comes next to you and say, oh, can I carry it for you? All right, so what happened? You pass that five kilo of rice to him. So do you still have the, the rice with you? Come on. Do you still have that bag of five kilo rice with you? No, why? Because he had carried it for you. So Jesus had borne your griefs and carried your sorrows. So do I still have griefs? No. Do I still have sorrows? No. They try to come on me, but I say no. They try to come on me, I say no. 
You have the power of rejection. Reject whatever the devil wants to put on you. Come on. Give the Lord a big hand of praise. Reject. Reject. Reject whatever the devil tries to put on you. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Because of substitution. Go with me to Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Let me ask you one more time. What is the cross? The cross is the place of? One more time. The cross is the place of? Exchange. My bad for his good. My bad for his good. Can we say amen? Amen. So John, uh, what's that? Uh, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. Remember, the Apostle Paul, he is so clever. He's the one who got all the revelation. He's the one from his uh, body, you know, his clothes would heal the sick. I'm crucified with Christ. You know, a lot of Christians think, oh, I'm crucified with Christ. That means I can't watch movies. That means I can't have too much chocolate. That means I have to go to Timbuktu as a missionary. That means I have to fast 20 days a a month. No. (laughs) I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Amen. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Glory be to God. His power. Coming out of you. His lordship coming out of you. His righteousness coming out of you. His holiness coming out of you. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. His prosperity coming out of you. It's no longer I who lives, devil. You be careful. You try to fight me. Don't you know that you're fighting Jesus? (gasps) Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. And the life which now I live in the flesh, in my body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Glory be to God. When I first read this, I jumped, I shouted, whoa, glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. Key number four. Are you ready? How to fight the good fight of faith, okay? The world is a battlefield. We're living in the world. I mean, it was so crazy, you know, in America, they just passed a bill in one of the states. The definition of a woman is somebody who is born with female reproductive organs. I mean, don't you find it crazy that you need a bill to define what a woman is? Crazy. The world is a battlefield. They even you have, you have to fight even for your own gender. You have to fight for your kids' gender. She's female. Why do you want her to go to a male's toilet? <laughs> you have to fight for the gender. Don't you think it's crazy? The world is a battlefield. Okay. Now please listen to this. On a battlefield, you find casualties. You find dead bodies, but also you find the winners, the victors, the conquerors. So how many of you don't want to be found in the corpses? (laughs) How many of you don't want to be found in where the casualties are? (laughs) How many of you want to be found in the midst of the conquerors? (laughs) The winners, yes, amen, hallelujah, amen. So it's important. Number one, soldiers must be taught. You must be taught how to fight. And then on top of teaching, you must be trained. That's why you have to go through the trials. Soldiers must be taught and soldiers must be trained. Soldiers must know who their boss is. Whom they're fighting for. You're not fighting for yourself. You're not fighting for your family. You're not fighting for the devil. You're fighting for Jesus. And you're in a winning battle because he had already won. Amen. And soldiers must have courage and stamina. And soldiers must have a high morale. That's why you can't afford to be sad and depressed. 
That's why the joy of the Lord is your strength. That's why you can't walk around thinking, oh, I don't know what tomorrow is going to be like. Oh, rainy days and Mondays always make me down. We can't sing like that anymore. <laughs> you can't go around with dark clouds over your head. You can't keep reading the news and telling you, oh, this is so bad. My life is going to be bad. You don't live in the world. You live in the kingdom. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Amen. You have a high morale. And that's why it's so important for you to know that God is for you and not against you. If you don't know that, don't even bother praying. If you don't know that God is for you, don't even pray. Because your prayers are pointless, useless. If you're praying, believing God for healing, and then on the inside, you don't know whether God's going to heal you, drop your prayers and correct your heart. Don't just pray. You need to know before you pray. You need to be fully persuaded in your heart before you pray. Amen? It's so, so important. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Number, the second one is that it's so, so important for us to know that a winner fights to win. If I can ask you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32. 1 Samuel 17, verse 32. Say to the person next to you, don't run from your battles. Don't hide in the cage. Okay? If you look at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 32, this is David again. You, you know why he's the man after God's own heart? David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant, I will go and fight him. Fight. The good fight of faith. When you're under attack, and if you want comfort from God, you want victory from God, fight, fight, and fight. Come on, say to yourself, I'm a fighter. I don't quit till I win. One more time, I'm a fighter. I don't quit till I win. Amen. Fear is the devil's number one weapon. Satan is a fallen devil. He's not as powerful as you think, as he wants you to think. He uses fear to scare us. You know what the devil's power is and where his power is? How many of you want to know? Where is the devil's power? In you. He uses you against you. Your fear is his power. Your fear empowers him. As soon as that fear is gone and faith comes in, he has to go. When you have no fear, the devil has no power over you. That's why David said in Psalm 23, verse 4, David again, he said, I will fear no evil. I had the Holy Spirit speaking that to me. And uh, please understand that I grew up with a lot of fear, okay? And I had the Holy Spirit saying that to me. And I thought, where's that in the Bible? Where's that in the Bible? I will fear no evil. And then I realized that it's Psalm 23, which I've read so many times. I will fear no evil, David said, Psalm 23, verse 4. And then in Luke chapter 8, verse 50, Jesus said, fear not, fear not, only believe. Come on, say to yourself, fear not, only believe. Amen. Fear overcomes, sorry, faith overcomes fear. Faith overcomes fear like truth defeats lies. It's automatic. As soon as you let faith in, fear has to run. As soon as faith shows up, fear goes away. Amen. Amen. 
The next key is take your God-given commanding position. When you're under attack, when you're feeling hurt, tormented, crying, all of that, know that your spirit does not cry. Your spirit is still awake. So when you're under attack, number one, start with praying in tongues. Start with exalting Jesus. Jesus, you're my Lord. I lift up my soul to you. Jesus, you're my commander in chief. Jesus, you're my Lord. You watch over me. You empower me. Amen. Amen. And take your commanding position. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying is that I've observed a lot of Christians, they have prayed out of the place of fear. I've heard Christians pray and pray from the position of fear, from the position of bondage. They are confessing the words all right, but then after they have finished praying, you see that their lives don't change. They were still fearful, still trapped in their own mindset, in their own lifestyle, in their own emotions. So don't pray and live from the place of fear. Fear is the devil's attack against you. I'm talking about the fear of sickness, the fear of loss, the fear of being attacked, the fear of people rejecting you, not liking you. Living and praying from the place of fear is not faith. Praying from the place of fear is not faith. And because it is not faith, your prayers won't work, no matter how long you pray. Faith is praying from the word. Faith is praying from the place of victory that Jesus had given to you. Okay, that's prayer. If you look at Psalm 27, Psalm 27, verse 1 to 3. Psalm 27, verse 1 to 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I want you to hear David, Psalm 27. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I like that. And then he continued to say, of whom shall I be afraid? And then he said, so very different from Job. And then he said, when the wicked, even my enemies, my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, you know, to afflict pressure on your nerves, they stumbled and fell. Not me. Wow. Wow. That's called courage. That's called morale. That's called victory. How many of you want that? How many of you want that? Yes. Amen. Don't magnify Goliath. Amen. Glory be to God. This is so, so important. Four times. No fear. Amen. Whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? They stumbled. They fell. Glory be to God. Amen. Four the number of totality. Amen. Go with me to verse 3. Continue with that. Though an host should encamp against me, what did he say? My heart shall not fear. My heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. Four times. Can I show you a a video clip now uh, taken from the movie The Passion of Christ. Let's just go to that for one minute. Oh, 
Lord, that's what I like. That's what I like. That's what I like. You have to know that when you are feeling terrible, when you are harassed, when you're fighting the battle, the devil is still wanting to destroy you. Don't try to look for sympathy from him. He has nothing to offer you. And Jesus went through that. He defeated the devil for us. That's why he could say, let's go to Luke chapter 10, verse 18 to 19. That's why he could say, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, he's saying to you, look, look, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing, absolutely nothing shall by any means hurt you. Amen. He did it himself. I want to, this is a very important, a very, very important topic. Faith. God said to Kennedy Hagen, go teach my people faith. Because faith is so, so powerful. And faith is prevailing. If you claim that you have faith and you can't fight your battles, and all the time you're blaming God and blaming people, Look at the people around you. You, have, you don't know what faith is. Can I ask you to look at a very, very important scripture in Genesis 32, verse 28? Is that okay? I take more time. Genesis 32, verse 28, because I can't stop here. Genesis 32, verse 28. Now, this is God speaking. God say, your name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince, you have power with God and with men and have prevailed. When we talk about spiritual warfare, when we're talking about fighting, you have to remember, you need to get power from God to fight the devil. You have to get power from God for people, not against them, to fight the devil. So when we talk about power, we're talking about being able to contend, being able to stay there, being able to persevere, being able to be strong in your faith so that God can release his power to you. So that you can be trusted with power. So that you can be trusted with power. You need to have favor with God and favor with men. And that's why you're fighting in the realm of the spirit to get the power from God and to get favor with people. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. And fight the devil. You can't fight God and fight people and win. No, the devil would have you for breakfast. That's why two commandments. Love. The Lord your God, with all of your heart, all of your mind, and all of your strength. What's the verb? Love. And what's the second commandment? Love. Again, your neighbor as yourself. Love again. So love God, love yourself, and love the people around you. Love never fails. How many of you know that the greatest three, which are the greatest three? Come on, tell me. Faith, hope. And love. And the greatest of these is love. Why do you need faith? So you have power with God. You need faith. Without faith, you can't get any power from God. Without faith, no matter how much you pray, you still die. (laughs) Faith, right? (laughs) Without faith, no matter how much you pray, you're still broke. So faith, power from God. So faith is for yourself, to have power from God. Hope, what is hopeful for your future. So you have a hope for your future. You have a vision. You can see your future as good, not bad. 
and love for people. Love that envelops everything that you do. Amen. So your faith will allow you to have hope and your hope will allow you to live with a joyful heart, with a grateful heart, with love for yourself and for people. Faith must be prevailing. Faith is our God-given channel to receive comfort from God. Faith is the greatest comfort from God. Amen. Finally, guard yourself against emotional attacks. Guard yourself against soulish attacks. The devil uses negative, tormenting, destructive emotions and thoughts to run us down, to weaken us, to break our body, soul, and spirit. How many of you know that your soul can affect your body? If you're always sad, if you're always crying, if you're always pessimistic, your body will be broken. Sickness will come tormenting sickness to come and also will weaken your your spirit you won't be able to pray because your faith had been suppressed by your emotions so it's very very important one more time victory comes from the truth not from our feelings okay your encounter with god is in the realm of the spirit not in human emotions Truth is the greatest comfort. Don't look for emotional comfort and, you know, don't go to the truth. Truth has dominion over facts. Truth is the presiding power of God over every human being, over the law of creation, over every situation and every circumstance. Truth has the power to change the facts. So the fact was that I had migraine headache for many years, but the truth healed me because truth had the power to change the facts. And truth, listen to this, this is very important. Truth is experiential, not theoretical. Truth is not doctrinal, nor intellectual. And that's why your walk with God matters. That's why you and I must be tested and trialed for faith to come forth more precious than gold. Because faith is not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. Amen? So stay joyful and cheerful is the key to God's comfort. A merry heart doeth good like medicine. Amen? So lift up your hands and say, I have a joyful disposition. Amen. Hallelujah. It's important for us to fight against being pessimistic, melancholic, sentimental. Amen. Reject a negative mindset. Reject an ominous outlook. Amen. Expect good, not evil. Look forward to God's blessings, not the devil's attacks. Live by God's divine help not the sickness of this world. Amen. Allow your faith to grow in you. Allow your faith to mature in you. It's very, very important. Amen. Prevail till you have power with God and with people. Amen. Believe till you can trust. Believe till you can trust. Amen. Till you can trust God and not be bothered by people. Amen. Believe until your faith becomes your trust. And trust until you see the victory. Amen. There is a process. You must be willing to go through it and go through it victoriously and triumphantly. And you will be promoted. The devils will know you by name and they will respect your power. They will respect your power. Devils won't respect your prayer, but they will respect your power. They won't come close. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. Let's finish with this. Psalm 126 verse 1 and 2. Psalm 126 verse 1 and 2. So know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. He laid a table before me in the 
presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. All, all, all the days of my life. Can we say amen? When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, that means you're free. You're no longer attacked. You're no longer in captivity. We were like them that dream. Oh, is that possible? Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Can we say amen? Hallelujah. Lift up your hands with me and say, thank you, Lord, for filling my mouth with laughter and my tongue with singing. Can I ask you to stand with me? Thank you, Jesus.